listening to Merciful Like the Father, a reflective resource for the season of Lent. This Lenten podcast, produced for the Jubilee of Mercy, invites prayer, conversation, thought and reflection. Each programme starts with a prayer to lead us into an attentiveness to the Word of God. We'll then hear a passage from the Scriptures which reveals something of God's tender, merciful love to us. Our reflection comes from the Benedictine Scripture scholar, Father Henry Wandsborough, who seeks to deepen our understanding of the way God reaches out in love. Finally, we pray our final prayer together. Jesus stands knocking at our door, inviting us to be open to him and to allow him to transform our lives with the love he brings. As we allow Christ to make his home within us this Lent, let us allow ourselves to rediscover the merciful face of the Father because we know his merciful love in Jesus. So let's begin with our prayer. God of compassion, you await the sinner's return and spread a feast to welcome home the lost. Save us from the temptations that lead us away from you and draw us back by the constancy of your love, that we may take our place in your household and gladly share our inheritance with others. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture passage is taken from one of the most familiar of Jesus' parables, the prodigal son. It's taken from St. Luke and allows us to see something of the Father who comes running towards us in love. The tax collectors and the sinners were all seeking the company of Jesus to hear what he had to say. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. A man had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, let me have the share of the estate that would come to me. So the father divided the property between them. A few days later, the younger son got together everything he had and left for a distant country where he squandered his money on a life of debauchery. When he had spent it all, that country experienced a severe famine, and now he began to feel the pinch. So he hired himself out to one of the local inhabitants who put him on his farm to feed the pigs, and he would willingly have filled his belly with the husks the pigs were eating, but no one offered him anything. Then he came to his senses and said, How many of my father's paid servants have more food than they want, and here am I, dying of hunger? I will leave this place and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one of your paid servants. So he left the place and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, 
His father saw him and was moved with pity. He ran to the boy, clasped him in his arms, and kissed him tenderly. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the calf we had been fattening and kill it. We're going to have a feast, a celebration, because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the elder son was out in the fields, and on his way back as he drew near the house, he could hear music and dancing. Calling one of the servants, he asked what it was all about. "'Your brother has come,' replied the servant, "'and your father has killed the calf we had fattened, "'because he has got him back safe and sound.' "'He was angry then, and refused to go in, "'and his father came out to plead with him. "'But he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I have slaved for you "'and never once disobeyed your orders, "'yet you never offered me so much as a kid "'for me to celebrate with my friends.' But for this son of yours, when he comes back after swallowing up your property, he and his women, you kill the calf we had been fattening. The father said, My son, you are with me always, and all I have is yours. But it was only right that we should celebrate and rejoice, because your brother here was dead and has come to life. He was lost and is found. In his third reflection, Father Henry invites us to see Luke's gospel as the gospel of mercy, and through his parables, particularly the prodigal son, to appreciate the lavish compassion and forgiveness of the Father. In the year which Pope Francis has designated as the celebration of the divine mercy, it's suitable that the gospel read should be the Gospel of Luke. Luke is the principal teacher about divine mercy. So compare him to Matthew. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus corrects the law in six different ways, and he ends up by saying, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Luke, on the other hand, does not end up saying, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, but be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. And throughout his gospel, he gives plenty of teachings about the mercy. So in Luke chapter 15, we have three parables. We have the lost sheep and the lost coin. Luke always pairs men and women. So there is the Annunciation of John the Baptist to Zechariah, and the Annunciation of the birth of Jesus to Mary. In the temple, you get Simeon coming to praise the Lord and Anna. So in these parables, you get the shepherd who loses one sheep and the woman who loses one coin. Luke is very clear that salvation is for women and men. But look at the parable of the lost sheep. The shepherd goes off 
leaving 99 sheep in the wilderness, and what's going to happen to them? I'm not at all sure that that is a wise thing to do. But God is insanely merciful, almost. He goes off and searches for the lost sheep, leaving the 99 sheep to fall down into the crevasses and the cliffs of the Judean desert. I once lost a party of students in the Judean desert, and that was quite alarming. They didn't realize that some of us had turned off to the left and got completely lost. It was only thanks to an alert shepherd boy that they came back and he led them to us. So I'm not sure that a sensible shepherd would leave the 99 sheep in the wilderness, but God does. God is so determined to be merciful, to bring back the lost sheep so that there may be joy in heaven over one sheep being found. But the most striking of all the parables is the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son goes off and he begins by insulting his father. He virtually says, I don't care whether you're alive or dead, I want my money now. And off he goes and spends it. And then when he's been some time in the foreign country and has sunk to the depths of being made unclean by feeding pigs, those unclean animals, then he realizes that he's got to go back. There's nothing approaching perfect contrition in that. All he wants is to fill his belly. He doesn't even think of going back and asking to be incorporated into the family again. It's not that he wants to be in the family, he just wants food. So he composes this nice little speech about going back to his father and saying, make me like one of your hired laborers. And the father is waiting there and sees him in a distance and comes running towards him, forgets his dignity, forgets his age, and comes running towards him and hugs him, and then has everything possible done for him. He has the best garment brought out, sandals for his feet. He even has the ring put on his finger, and that'll give the prodigal son the right to seal documents. He can do it all over again. But nevertheless, God gives him everything. It's been called the parable of the helpless father, as well as the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus has said, I come not to call the just, but to call sinners. What about the one working in the fields? He hears the singing and dancing and wants to know what's going on. And the servant says, your brother's come back. And he refuses to go in. He stamps his foot and won't go in. And the father comes out and begs him to come in. The father leaves his guests at table and comes out into the field and humbles himself. He says, all I have is yours. And the elder son says, I've slaved for you and you haven't so much as given me a young goat to make merry with my friends. Who is the good son and who is the bad son? Who is the son who has our sympathy? In Matthew, you get 
what is perhaps the foundation of that parable, the parable of the two sons, where the owner of the vineyard says to one son, go and work in the vineyard. And he says, yes, dad, but doesn't go. Then he says to the other son, go and work in, your, in my vineyard. And he says, not in your life, but goes and does work in the vineyard. Which is the better of those two? It's the same parable, but Luke gives it life, makes the characters real. Matthew's characters are always one or the other. They're either goodies or baddies. The sheep and the goats, the five wedding attendants who have oil in their lamps and five wedding attendants who don't have oil in their lamps. They're either goodies or baddies. But Luke's characters are much more like ourselves. They do the right thing for the wrong reason. The man who has a friend coming at midnight does the right thing, giving him bread, but for the wrong reason, because he doesn't want to be shamed before the whole village. The unjust judge eventually gives the widow who comes asking for justice her due, but his reason is he doesn't want her to come and hit him in the face. He's doing the right thing for the wrong reason, as most of us do quite a lot of the time. So the prodigal son goes back to the father. He does the, the right thing for the wrong reason. But the father gives him his mercy. The father welcomes him and brings him back. And the elder son, who's just done everything right, slaved for his father, makes a mess of things. So the father, in this parable of the prodigal son, is God showing divine mercy. The unworthy son comes back, and still, just because he's come back, the father welcomes him, gives him everything, embraces him, and makes him his own again. So that is divine mercy in action. And that is what Luke is showing us throughout the parable, and indeed throughout the whole gospel. The Gospel of Luke is all about divine mercy. So in the call of the disciples, in Mark and Matthew, we get the disciples who are called by Jesus. In Luke, it comes rather later. They go out fishing all night and don't catch any fish. And then Jesus tells them where to fish and they catch the enormous quantity of fish. And then Peter is called but not before he said, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinner. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you've got first to say, I am a sinner. Look what Luke does to the fig tree. In Mark and Matthew, there is the fig tree which Jesus sees as unfruitful, not bearing any fruit, and curses it before he goes and rubbishes the temple of Jerusalem. And then when he comes out from the temple, they see that the fig tree has withered. Luke takes that and changes it. In Mark and Matthew, the withered fig tree is a symbol of the withered temple. The cult in the temple is no good. It's not the expression of love any longer. Luke takes that illustration of the fig tree and turns it into a parable of repentance. The master says, cut down this fig tree, it doesn't bear fruit. And the 
tender of the orchard, says, give it one more chance. I'll dig it around and manure it. And then if it doesn't grow figs next year, then you can cut it down. So Luke is all about the divine mercy, all about God's mercy coming to all people. How would the audience have responded? I don't know. They'd be indignant, I think. But some would have accepted. Some of the audience would have said, we've got to obey the law. We've got to keep ourselves clean. We've got to fulfill what we're told to do. Others would have gone beyond and seen what Hosea says, what I want is love, not sacrifice. And they would have seen that love was the important thing. When they'd been with Jesus for some time, they'd have seen a pattern in his interpretation of the law, his interpretation of the Sabbath law. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And in so many things, Jesus puts the human values first, rather than the material values, obeying the Sabbath, keeping clean. He puts love in front of everything. And that is his way of expressing divine mercy. Seeking to be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful, we pray our final prayer together. Loving Father, you are a God of mercy and compassion. We thank you for sending your Son Jesus into our world to show and teach us how to love. When we walk through the door of mercy during this holy year, may we open our hearts to you so that we may reflect your love, mercy and compassion in our families, communities and parishes. May we walk with Jesus through the streets of Galilee, comforting the sick, opening our arms to the little ones and sharing with the poor and searching out the marginalised in our society. May it be a year when barriers between us fall and reconciliation becomes possible. A year when our faith in your mercy is strengthened and we learn how to be your face of mercy in our world. Amen. <laughs>